Thanks for joining us on Toronto this weekend. My Coffee Talk guest today is the MPP for Ottawa South and interim leader of the Ontario Liberal Party, John Fraser. He's also critic for health and long-term care, intergovernmental affairs, agriculture, food, and rural affairs. Welcome, John. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Boy, oh boy, what a week for the party that it's, you're leading it's... right now. Oh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been a busy week. I mean, there's been some news. We're also preparing for our annual general meeting this March, which is going to be our, our largest meeting in 20 years, annual meeting. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot going on. Yeah, a, a lot. An open letter was written to Mike Schreiner, the current leader of the Ontario Green Party, uh, by some notable uh, liberals in the in the province, mm -hmm. asking him to cross the floor and run for the leadership of the Ontario Liberal Party. When did you catch wind of this, John? Oh, just last weekend, and uh, and so uh, yeah, you know, a group of people uh, from southwestern Ontario, some who I've known, I've worked with before, wrote a letter and uh, expressed an opinion. And, uh, you know, we're an open party, so um, things are what they are. And, you know, we're, we're excited about our leadership race. We've got four candidates who are seriously uh, either committed or seriously interested in that. There are others that are out there who haven't uh, declared their interest, but I know that they're looking at it. So it's shaping up to be a, an open, competitive leadership race in our party. Did this concern you reading this letter, knowing that there are some that ultimately don't feel like there is a lot of faith in the current party, in the current party, and and potentially yeah. the leaders that are, uh, you know, the people that do want to run for leadership? Well, yeah, no, it doesn't concern me because we actually have to decide at this annual general meeting how we're going to conduct our leadership race, whether it's leadership race, whether it's going to be one member, one vote, or the delegated convention that we've. We're the only party that continues to do that. So uh, liberal members are going to decide, well, how that race is going to be run. And so it's not surprising that some people who have interest are sitting back and waiting to see, well, is it going to be one member, one vote? Will it be a delegated convention? Because they're two very different methods uh, of electing a leader. So, uh, you know, no, I think it's, it is what it is. We are an open party. You know, people can express their opinions. Uh, we all don't have to agree, um, you know, we'll, you know, and we'll, we'll have an, you know, last time around we had a, you know, six people in the race, uh, when some people already felt, uh, that, uh, someone was already way ahead. So I'm pretty excited about it. And I think, uh, it's going to be interesting, which is the most important thing. But John, some have called this desperate. You know, we know that negotiations happen behind closed doors all the time, but creating a website called draftmike.ca, an open campaign, oh. makes the Ontario Liberals seem a little messy. Do you, as interim leader, how, how do you feel about the, just the perspective well, uh, that people have? Well, well, I, I think that that's one perspective that people could take. Yeah. And certainly the people who, who aren't Liberals are going to take that, uh, it, that, that space. But if you, if you take a look at who... What opposition party got the most votes in the last election? Ontario Liberals. Who held their vote in the last election? Ontario Liberals. The NDP lost three quarters of a million votes. The Tories, about 380,000. We're going to pay down our debt this year. We're going to have one of our biggest annual general meetings, well, at least the biggest in 20 years, but one of, probably one of our biggest across the board in Hamilton uh, on March 3rd to 5th. So those fundamentals are good, uh, the party's strong. And I think it's okay for people to express their opinion. I don't think you should 
shut people down. That's what politics is all about. We're going to not see things the same way. And, um, you know, I, I'm, you know I, I just think we have to be open, remain open, because that's why we, the Ontario Liberal Party has been around for 160 years, more than 160 years. I mean, all those stats are true, but, he's, you know, the party's mm-hmm. still lost. And, and so, you know, is there well, some it, truth <laughs> to the letter, though, that the Liberals need to, quote, rediscover a politics of purpose and principle, and we need to reach out to a new generation of voters? Is there truth in that statement? Here's uh, what you have to do after every, every election is take a hard look at what you've done. And politics uh, is really straightforward. It's um, getting out and doing the work, communicating to voters and encouraging them to vote for you. Now, if you look at us, you know, we got more votes than the NDP. We got them in the wrong spots. So it's kind of like going out and playing a great hockey game. You feel good about it. Or you feel good about it and you, your stat sheet looks good, but the scoreboard doesn't look great. And we got a quarter of the seats, but more votes. So, uh, no, I... I what I believe, uh, and I'm neutral in the leadership race, mm-hmm. we need a leader who's going to work hard, is going to listen, and is able to learn. Those are the three most important things in a leader. And um, that's why we're going to have an open and competitive leadership race. Uh, and those are the kind of qualities mm-hmm. that are important in representing people. I think that's what people expect. You know, not everybody's going to get everything right. Uh, and uh, you... Um, you need to have those qualities, uh, whether you're leading a political party or you're leading a business organization, you know, or a school. And those are the kinds of things that uh, that we want to see come out in our leadership race. The next generation is is focused on the environment. Do you think your party goes far enough in the party plan to address the concerns that many and you know younger people have when it comes to cutting carbon pollution, renewable energy, new initiatives around sustainability and climate change? Could, could the Liberals do better on that? Because that seems to be a, what's echoing throughout that letter as well, and wanting to bring Mike over. Yeah, well, I think we, you know, I think we have, I think we had a strong plan in the last election. I think you take a look at. Uh, our, our, when we were in government, if you take a look, we created the green belt that Doug Ford's carving up right now. Um, you know, we um, focused on green energy, built up a green energy industry here in Ontario until the poor government came in and tore it all down. So uh, I, you know, I think our record on you know protecting our air and our water uh, and the initiatives, like we actually did those things that led to um, protecting our air and our water, like the green belt like green energy, like trying to build up uh, an electric vehicle industry here in Ontario. And Doug Ford tore all the stations out and then, you know, had a, you know, had a, an epiphany and went, you know, a few years ago, I'm like, I've got to build electric, electric vehicles. It's like, we did those things. And so I think our party's record on that is strong. I'm, I'm very proud that we put together the green belt, very upset that, Doug Ford is carving up what's really essentially the people's green belt and giving it to his friends. And so, you know, I think, uh, look, we can always do better. It is a really critical situation um, with climate change and our environment. We can see that in our weather. And so um, we'll have to keep working hard, but I think we demonstrated our commitment to the environment through our recording, uh, through environment and through our platform in the last election. And I think young people would say, but they want to continue to see that if they're going to get 
behind you know a party like the liberals and not the greens or others we're going to take a quick break because i, I want to hear more about your thoughts on a couple of other stories john that have hit the news uh this week uh thanks for joining me again john frazier mpp for ottawa south interim leader of the ontario liberal party you're listening to toronto this weekend on 640 toronto we're back with our coffee talk guest today john frazier mpp for ottawa south and interim leader for the ontario liberal party thanks again john for hanging in with us john i, I understand that you are a caregiver to your mother and and you know we've seen the conditions around long-term care diminish in this province what are your thoughts about the new national long-term care standards that was released earlier this week one on quality of life the other for building operations that were finalized after public consultations with uh, 19,000 Canadians well I, you know I look we um, we need to establish standards around the quality of life because what's uh, what's there uh, right now isn't working yeah. And this is where people live. It's their home. It's their residence. And so, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we're going to have, we can set standards. We don't have enough people to care for the people who are there. And that's the thing I think that's most important for us to focus on, having enough nurses, having enough PSWs, having enough people uh, who are uh, properly educated uh, in quality of life, um, things like palliative care, mm -hmm. understanding the needs of people uh, with dementia. Those are really, um, it's not just having people, it's making sure that people know how to care for people, understand their needs. And quite frankly, right now, is to have enough of them. And that's a real challenge if you ask any long-term care home uh, across Ontario, men are depending on temporary agencies. They're having a hard time finding staff of all sorts, whether it's you know, nursing or PSW, personal support, or even dietary and housekeeping. Uh, there are real challenges out there with a shortage uh, of skilled labor. And you're in the throes of it. You know, my mom was a PSW for many years. And, and you're right. There's a part of it that you can't just learn in a course. A part of it is innate. It's in you. It's how to care for people and see people for who they are. I mean, I remember her telling me stories of some of the residents she took care of, you know, never had family that, that were there. And, and so you are an extension of that. You are essentially family as a PSW, as a nurse, as a caregiver. Um, so how do we solve this problem? How do we get more people, not just trained in PSW work or as nurses, but again, a, a group of caring people who see the real, the, the real responsibility that they have as an extension of family for some of these folks? Well, I, I think that, uh, that um, you have to demonstrate um, your commitment to those people. And that's one of the things that's been lacking. Uh, that um, that people can you know live and raise a family without having to work three jobs, mm. without having to take that extra job. That they can have a secure future, that they can have pensions. You know, one of the things, and you know that that I, um, one of the things that you know, always astounded me. You know, we 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 started building private long term care, and these private long term care homes. Well, they they built equity for shareholders, and that equity was used to buy pension funds. But the people who were actually doing the work in the homes, many of them didn't have pensions or were not great pensions mm. and didn't get great wages. So if people are of value to you, if they're important, then you have, you have to treat them that way. 
you know, you, you know, nurses, you can't freeze their wages. Tell them they can't bargain. How, how do you, you know, how, how do you expect to recruit and retain people? If they, if it's not a job that they can sustain themselves and sustain their, you know, their families. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's not talking about extravagance or luxury. It's people being able to have a relatively secure future. Yeah. That'd be a really good start. And, uh, it's a hard job. You know, they're, my mom, we have some people who help us with my mom. My mom's still at home, some, some personal support workers and they are like family mm -hmm. and they do a great job. And, um, they, you know, I'd say, I'd say they love her. I mean, they display that act of love and act of caring. And so, um, you know, that's something that's, um, that people, um, that's inside people, but it's hard to, you know, it's hard sometimes for people to say, I'd like to go and do this, but you know, I can't, I can't take, I can't take that job because I've got a supportive family. Yeah. Right? And I don't want to be working two or three jobs just to support that family because I want to have some time to be able to spend with my family. Yeah, just to be present. Uh, the Ontario long-term care minister, Paul Calandra, said on Tuesday that while his ministry will review the standards, Ontario is already fixing long-term care through North American-wide uh, leading standards. Is that response kind of tone-deaf to what, again, you know, 19,000 Canadians are saying, what experts in the field are saying as well when it comes to changing the system? Well, um, yes. I mean, I think, you know, if you take a look back, uh, and I want the, I, I want us to succeed on this. Mm -hmm. I don't want us to have to be critical. I don't want to be saying these. But you can't, you know, they did their own commission. They came up with 85 recommendations. And the 85th was come back and report to us uh, on these recommendations that we've made, you need to report back, not just to us, but to all Ontarians. The government refused to do that. And, you know, you can set standards, but you actually have to be able to deliver that standard. And we're not doing that yet. And it's not easy. So I'm, you know, I, I, it's just, you know, but we have to be realistic about it, which says, okay, we've set standards. Are we achieving them? Where are we at to achieving them? And so uh, we're not there yet. Uh, there's a lot of work to be, there's a lot of work to be done. You know, some of the, you know, the, one of the things that I am encouraged by uh, that I've seen in the legislation that seems to be growing in long-term care homes is a palliative approach, which is understanding it's about quality of life. It's about how people want to live their lives. What's important to them, uh, not what's important to the organization. Another headline that has, you know, been circling in the news this week as well is the price of food. You've had experience managing local grocery stores. Uh, the price yeah. of food continues to rise, causing some to steal food yeah. just to survive. This week, we heard that Loblaw's no-name products uh, had a price, uh, their price freeze has ended. And analysts say the price of milk and butter basics, the basics, are expected to rise. Is This is a recipe for disaster, John. It is. No, and I think, um, you know, there are pressures, real economic pressures on producers. But I do know from having been in the business uh, that it is a business, and our food, um, our food delivery chain here, uh, our, our food um, here in Ontario and in Canada is controlled by a very small number of companies. And you know, we just came through something that was 
bread price fixing scandal, uh, which one company's admitted that they mm-hmm. did it, I guess, to, to be the first one out to get um, a relative immunity. Well, you know, I, I, I literally grew up in that business. I started when I was 15. And so, yeah, they're there to make money. And, um, and it feels right now like they're taking advantage of it, taking advantage of people, taking advantage of the situation. And so, um, and I think that's what's upsetting most people, right? And, um, and so, you know, it feels uh, like the competitive nature of the food business is kind of out the window right now. Uh, and so, which I think is um, concerning. Uh, people have to eat. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an issue that uh, it's going to play governments, especially, you know, well, I didn't say play governments, but it's, cause it's a government, it's something that governments are going to have to deal with, you know, people on assistance they have to be able to eat yeah. people have to be able to have some place to you know to uh to stay to live and uh, and so these aren't easy problems um but i you know i do i do think a lot of people feel out there right now and being in the business i feel like those big companies they're taking advantage of the economic situation and they're not very competitive right now that on uh, not on the stuff you see in front of the flyer, but on the rest of the groceries across the board. So, and I, I spent, you know, because I've been in the groceries, I spent all the time walking around stores. I go into grocery stores, yeah. maybe two or three different ones a week. And uh, so uh, when I look at it, I go, I just, that's kind of the sense that I get by looking at the prices on the same thing in different stores. And I think it's and the sense, like that. I think it's the sense that we're all getting. Thank you so much, John, for joining me today on Toronto this weekend. No, it's my pleasure. It was uh, great to get a chance to talk to you and hope you have a great weekend and hope it warms up just a little bit. (laughs) All the best. (laughs) That was John Fraser, MPP for Ottawa South, interim leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. Coming up, uh, travel and uh, there is a pilot shortage. Did you know this? We're going to talk more with Claire Newell about that. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.